Well, thank God I made my mock draft so long that really I don't have to worry about anybody listening to it. Therefore, nobody can criticize me. I wasn't right. I wasn't wrong. Psst. I only got five right. Oof. What a night. What a night. NFL always gives us some drama, doesn't it? Let's talk about it. The NFL does a better job than any sport at creating the lead-up, and they fill it all with drama. They tap all of our emotions between all the smoke screens. The storylines were real, man. They were real enough. San Francisco at three. That was the biggest story leading up to the draft. We knew what was happening at one and two. What was San Fran going to do? And we had all of that. And before we even kicked off, before we could even dip a buffalo wing in some blue cheese, Ian Rappaport breaks in with a story. Aaron Rodgers does not want to return to Green Bay. Ooh, just juicy. I mean, that right there would extend NFL Live for another hour. The crew is working overtime on a Friday if that story breaks midday. But we went right into the draft, man. So I, to me, that is the lead story. The only thing I wonder is, like, those Jeopardy ratings must have been phenomenal, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder if Aaron's agent Send him a copy of the TV ratings. Maybe a snapshot of the offer that the network heads over at, uh, I don't know if that's ABC or wherever, wherever Jeopardy airs. I'm sure they offered Aaron something sweet for him to have this leak. And of course, you got to examine the timing of it. I mean, maybe it's a coincidence. I doubt it. I mean, if you have any common sense, you know what this is. This is either chess or this is war. Now, I felt like this Sean Watson, it was war. Before all the accusations, when you knew he wasn't coming back to Houston, when he was saying it, you believed it. And he was proving that he was going to have his feet dug in the ground. That's war. I mean, maybe this is just a chess move. And this was Aaron's checkmate. He's like, okay. You guys want to push me around? I tell you what. Be careful. I'm going to fuck up your board. <laughs> if you think Jordan Love is ready to play, I tell you what. Test me. And which it could turn into war. And if this is war... This was Aaron Rodgers' opening salvo because he'll win in the end. He may have to retire, sit a year out, and the Packers could just be spiteful. But at some point, they're going to want to recoup some value for a guy that's not playing who can still net them a lot of draft capital. San Francisco made the call. I heard John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan give their post-draft press conference a little while ago. It was interesting. Um, they seemed like two people in lockstep, but I think that was all for show. What I learned about Kyle Shanahan through this process is A, he's not the stone-cold killer I thought he was. I thought he had big, big balls, Belichick-like balls. And he's just got normal balls, the same balls all of us have. I think I got pretty big balls. I'll go out on a limb. In case you didn't listen to the last episode, I professed my love for Mac Jones. I have my, I had him as my number one ranked quarterback before the draft. All roads were leading to San Francisco. I was ready to make them my side piece. I'm a Philly kid. 
The Eagles are my home team. I'm not a diehard. But I want them to win no matter who they're playing. I just want to let them ruin my day, that's all. Like, I got a cousin and I got family that are just like my my own father. They're just like, the Eagles can make their day or ruin their day. That's real fandom. That's not me with the Eagles. I'm always in a managerial, in the GM box frame of mind. So that's just how I am. I just love the game of football. And I get, I gravitate towards another team aside from my home team. New England was always that team. But given that Tom is gone, Belichick might be leaving, I thought this was the perfect transition year for me to find a new side piece. And man, Kyle, you were lining up to that. You were making me want to go over there to the Bay and lock down since all the fans were jumping ship. The minute they heard it was Mac Jones, fans start jumping overboard. So I figured there's plenty of room for me now. I probably got my own room. And especially since I'm pounding the table for Mac, I think I got the living room too. I got my own fridge. I'm feeling good. And then they take a left. I mean, we knew who it was down to. I just didn't want to believe it. I wanted him to to just pound the table for Mac Jones. And three days prior um, to tonight, they did another press conference, local press conference. Um, They didn't give anything away. They kept everything secretive in terms of the decision they were going to make and who they landed on. But the press conference was to say they... They've identified who their guy is. They're not going to tell you. And they didn't fall for any of the questions. So they didn't reveal much. But if you read between the lines good enough, it sounded like it was Mac Jones. And even if you know what the the decision is, it's Lance. Even playing it back now, it still sounds like Mac Jones. What I learned is Kyle is the ultimate manipulator, liar, concealer. When it comes to his press and his local media, he gives nothing. In fact, he diverts you. And I understand why. That's smart. That's why he's a smart guy. And so is John Lynch. He's a Stanford guy. Um, they just landed on Lance. Now, the reporting says that basically the scouting department and all the evaluators, including John Lynch, were all siding with Lance in this whole process. Kyle was the only one who preferred Mac Jones. And I believe that. I truly believe that. I think he liked Lance a lot. And I think it was a tough decision for him. But I think he saw, he identified certain things that he needs his quarterbacks to be. And he needs his quarterbacks to possess in their toolbox. And most of it was mental. A lot of it was just accuracy and the perfect brain for the game and he didn't care about everything else he's like me he evaluates the quarterbacks from the shoulders up and then everything else comes after if you have athletic ability along with the mental acuity then great if not don't make me pick because it's easy we'll take the guy who's incredibly smart makes great decisions and throws darts with accuracy and when I say darts, I don't mean lasers, as Chris Sims would say. I just mean hits the bullseye. However it gets there, I'd rather a quarterback feather it over linebackers than thread the needle. So I take the soft approach. A lot of people like the hard pitch. I like the soft pitch. I was a Greg Maddox fan growing up. I like guys that can move the ball in baseball, can throw it just hard enough, but put movement on it. I like my quarterbacks to throw with touch make catchable throws. So I was in love. I'm still in love with Mac Jones. I worried for a second as he fell off the board and made it all the way down. And I said to myself, here's the moment of truth. Because if Bill passes on Mac Jones with all the intel he has at Bama and the coach I know him to be, what he values at quarterback, if he passes on Mac, then I probably messed up. I probably bet on the wrong horse. I was really thinking that. I would have admitted it. I'm honest. I fuck up quarterback evaluations a lot. But when I hit, I hit big. And I'm usually a guy who bets big on the underdog 
and I, and I do it every year. I won't bet big on the underdog every year, but I'll rank underdogs ahead of higher pros, higher graded prospects or, you know, more popular prospects at quarterback. And I'm fine with that. Um, I wasn't a big Baker Mayfield guy coming out and I feel like I'm winning that still. And, but the point is when a guy's popular, it's great. But I, if I can find an underdog and he shows me things that are special, you know, everybody thinks like pocket quarterbacks are dead or they can't exist in today's game. Look guys, Max athletic enough, fast enough. I mean, all, every, every one of these quarterbacks are going to get sacked, no matter the athletic ability. When you're in the pocket, you're going to get heat. You're inevitably going to go down. You can't find a lot of sacks on film with Mac Jones. And yeah, he played at Bama. But guess what? He's going to New England. <laughs> Have you seen that offensive line? I mean, they just let Joe Tooney walk. They got a six-round pick playing his spot. He was P- on PFF's all-rookie team. Like Bill if anything, keeps a stud offensive line there. He was aggressive in free agency. In my opinion, they rebuilt pretty quickly. That team is lacking one major hole. He is, he is solid and deep everywhere. He's got good football players on the 53 right now. So I love the pick. Cam will start. Mack will continue to hone his skills. Sharpen his tools, better his craft. And when he's ready, world, look out. All you haters out there, oh, it's going to be so sweet. It's going to be so sweet. You guys are going to be eating crow, and you're still going to hate on him. And you're still going to just revert back to the old low-hanging fruit insults. The Patriots are cheaters and all that good shit. Hey, cool. I'm here, though. I'll be happy. Patriots will be winning. When the Eagles lose, Patriots win. I'm happy. I'm not happy that the Eagles lost. I'm just saying my day isn't ruined when the Patriots win and the Eagles lose. It's a balance. So I expect a lot of winning going forward. But opening day was all about the drama. The Aaron Rodgers stuff. Niners at three. Mac falls. Bill pulls the plug. Makes me double down on my boldness for my love of Mac Jones. Because I know if Bill sees it, then it must be real. And then Justin Fields. I love him. He's been up and down my board. Originally, I had Mac Jones 1, Justin Fields 2, Trevor Lawrence 3. The board moved. I, I needed to spend more time on Zach Wilson I needed to get to know him a little bit better in the total process of evaluating a player. I fell in love with him like everybody did. So I get it. Um, So my board kind of moved. I went and, hey, we'll check this out. We'll check this out in four years. But as crazy as it is, I do believe one man can't do it all. So I wound up having Mac. Zach. Then I went to Kyle Trask, Justin Fields, and then Trevor Lawrence. And it's not how I would rank what they did in college. And it's not how I would rank their talents and the whole package. It's not my grade on them. It just knowing that Trevor was going to Jacksonville and the uphill battle that they're facing. It was just easy for me, including some other things I feel about the situation with Trevor just as a prospect. It was just easy for me to slide him down to five. And, you know, I'll be the idiot if I'm wrong. I don't care. But those were the stories. Justin Fields slides all the way down. Really like the guy. Hell of a talent. I believe he's every bit as talented as Trevor Lawrence. But unfortunately... And I think we know why we view Justin Fields in a different light than we do Trevor Lawrence. Maybe it's the hair and the blue eyes. I don't know. But Justin Fields certainly deserved to be drafted higher. He was by far the best player on the board at 11. 
Um, no, I take that back. Mac was on the board, but in my opinion, he was depending on how you view quarterbacks. Like he was certainly worthy of being a top ten pick, top five pick, top overall pick. Depending on how you viewed him, you could make the case. And I didn't think Chicago had much of a chance. I knew they'd be a player. I just thought they would swing and miss. He makes it past some critical teams. Chicago makes the aggressive move up. Didn't have to give up a whole lot of future capital to do it. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy get to save their jobs, redeem their reputation. Excellent move by Chicago. So those were the main stories. Let's get on to grades real quick. Um, Not letter grades, not anything like that. I'm kind of going a little bit of a different way. I'll go gold, silver, and bronze. Um, let's go down the list. It's, I guess it's in some kind of order, I guess like an, an excitement level because I ha- I have it written down. So this is how I wrote it. But if you're gold, you're in gold, not one place is higher than the other or anything like that, or means more, or has more value. I'm just going to read the list, give a little blurb on, uh, each, each team with their pick. You know, obviously New England with Mac Jones, enough said gold. Gold, gold, gold. Philadelphia, Devontae Smith. In my opinion, again, this is another size issue. But if he was 25 pounds heavier, we may be having the debate of who's the first receiver, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Me, I can ignore the scale because the tape matters more. And more often than not, I've seen Devontae Smith dishing out the physicality than receiving it. And he's he's a junkyard dog in, in the run game. He blocks his ass off. He'll hit you in the mouth. He'll finish blocks. And overall, skill set-wise, they're different, but I prefer Devontae Smith. Um, and mm, I guess you could say character. Um, you saw Jamar Chase on the stage, had those Gucci shades on for probably 10 minutes too long. Um, he was all dripped out. He had that swagger going strong. And I like that. He's a young kid. He's influenced by culture, and that's how young kids are. So he's just being his age, and I think he'll grow up into a fine man and a fine football player. Um, it's not to be negative towards him. It's just Devante. There is no drama. There's no diva. He just goes about his business, puts his head down, does his work. Nick Saban had, had said glowing things about him leading up to the draft, how he represents what the Alabama football program is all about. Not one player represents Alabama football better than Devonte Smith. And I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the quote. I mean, it was a strong letter of recommendation, not just, oh, let me talk about what he did good and how he can help your team. He's basically how he can install culture and all the things that I love. If you, if you can be a receiver and just make acrobatic catches, great. Part of the reasons why I'm not a big Stefan Diggs fan and guys like Stefan Diggs is they're over-emotional, a la Odell Beckham. And when the shit goes south, they make it worse. They throw gasoline on the fire at times. They frustrate the quarterback because they're pouting or they're mouthing off or they're frustrated and they're not hustling as hard. And I prefer the team player attitude. I think Devontae Smith doesn't care if he catches 85 balls or 55. He's going to come back to the huddle with the same attitude. Not to say he's going to be perfect or he's never going to not get frustrated. He's going to but I think he'll handle himself like the best professional version he can. And that's valuable to me. The leadership, he holds teammates accountable in practice. He makes everybody bring it. He reminds me of Marvin Harrison on the field from a physical profile. Um, But I think he's as high a character as you can imagine. I mean, think Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, just a guy that you're proud is on your team. Then I have Chicago. Kind of already told you what I need to say about that. Great job by Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace. 
they had the blessing of the ownership group. They still obviously are pretty confident in them. So it needed to be done and they executed. And that's all I care about. I don't care what your plans are. Can you execute on your plan? The Bears did that. The New York Jets. I talked about Zach Wilson, so I'll save time there. But, you know, I had them pegged for Elijah Vera Tucker in my mock draft. I had them staying where they were in the 20s. They moved up um, into the teens, I believe, at 14 or something like that. Didn't have to give up much. And they got their guy. And in my opinion, Elijah Barrett Tucker is Marshall Yonda. He's going to be an all-pro guard. So now you got Makai Becton. You got your guard. You build some solid pieces around those guys, and you're going to have that type of offensive line that Zach Wilson needs to succeed in that offense with LaFleur. And they have an underrated group of receivers, in my opinion. You know, they need to address the running back situation, obviously, and the defense. And I think Joe Douglas has the chops to do just that in these next couple of drafts. Let's see how he finishes. But first round, gold. Then we got the Miami Dolphins. We're much further ahead than their division foe, the New York Jets. But Miami to come away with Jalen Waddell and Jalen Phillips. Like, wow. Wow. So I commend Chris Greer and crew for how they stayed put, how they manipulated the board, got future capital, gave up capital. Like I just love teams that know what they want and know how to get it and then execute against it. And I think that's what Miami has been showing they can do. I think they've done it the last couple of years. I think the Tua pick was an ownership pick. I think Coach Flores... Jesus, I got to shut this window. I think Coach Flores probably would have preferred going in a different direction at quarterback. But look, they're building it around him and they're hoping for the best. I still believe in Tua. I don't think that highly of him as a prospect, but I think you can win with him until he gets hurt. Hopefully he doesn't. You know, I'm not trying to be a dick. But we know the history, so great job by Miami. Jalen Waddle just changes the game just by being on the field. He just changes the way teams are going to play them defensively, how they're going to play the run, how they're going to play the pass. It's just his speed is that real that it's a threat just him being on the field, and he can do a lot. And I know Miami – or uh, Brian Flores, he's in Miami, comes from New England. The more you can do, right, that's what they value. How versatile are you? Jalen Waddle instantly becomes a dynamic, serious threat in the return game. Like, you're going to shit your pants the way we got introduced to Tyreek Hill at the NFL level. We start noticing him when he had huge gains in the return game. Then they incorporated some jet sweeps. Then they start throwing him the ball. Then he developed. Jalen Waddle's way further ahead as a receiver than Tyreek Hill was coming out. So I think it's going to be an easier transition for him. Their skill sets are very similar. I think this is one hell of a first round for Miami. And Jalen Phillips, this guy was the best pure pass rusher in the draft, in my opinion. And having a second first round pick, you're able to swallow a little bit of that concern that you have maybe with his injury history. But I think he's so worth the gamble at 18. Excellent job. Gold. And then you got the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase. That's just gold. That's just gold. I mean, they were receiving some pressure from the fan base. They wanted a left tackle. Protection for their quarterback. I get it. But they made the right call. They were smart enough to see through that bullshit. They know it's a deep tackle draft. They're at the top of the second round. You take Jamar Chase because receivers like him usually don't come around. They usually don't. And you can deal with some of the drama shit if he brings it. I'm not so certain. It's just a hunch I have based off of a small thing like a kid being a kid 
in the biggest moment of his life. And probably it's an overreaction, if anything. I'm really a lot cooler than I sound. So, the sunglasses thing isn't a big deal. And it's just beyond that. I've seen how he's reacted in some tussles. You know, he's got that alpha dog in him, like a lot of receivers do, like Stefan has. And it's cool. It's not an indictment. He's gold. Well done, passing on the big project at left tackle in Penny Sewell. And sticking with your guns, staying with Jonah Hill at left tackle, getting the, the stud receiver. I love it. Okay, so then we got the L.A. Chargers getting the best offensive lineman, in my opinion, in Rashawn Slater. He's an instant plug-and-play left tackle. Excuse me. In my opinion, he's Zach Martin. If Zach Martin was more athletic. Zach Martin's a little more girthy, a little more stubby, a little less athletic. He's an all-pro guard. So, to me, it was a no-brainer. In most drafts, he probably wouldn't have fell this far, but Rashawn Slater is a stud. Goad. Then we have... Sorry, I'm looking down. I should just bring this up. There we go. Then we have the Arizona Cardinals. And what is like, in my opinion, it's not my favorite pick, but maybe in a way it is. Like, this is just like, I'm drawn to a guy like Saban Collins, a guy that can do everything. So scheme versatile, so much potential, just untapped potential. And then when you get into the background of this young man and you see how he carries himself, you see what the coaches and teammates have to say about his leadership style. And he's a real leader. He's a real dog. He is soft-spoken, but when he speaks, you hear him. And he gets his point across. And I've done my research on him. He was one of my favorite prospects coming into the draft. Just a fantastic fit. Like Arizona, defensively, do some interesting things. And they like prospects that can do a lot of things and bring a different skill set and athletic profile. And I just think of Zaven Collins. Chandler Jones and Isaiah Simmons on the field together on a third down, just putting pressure and confusing quarterbacks. It's going to be pretty fun in Arizona. Look out for their defense. I'm telling you, they're building it right. And they're just about a cornerback away from being a real scary defense. I still think they're going to be scary, but look out if they hit on a cornerback in this draft. Then we got the Tennessee Titans. Caleb Farley, he's a risky pick. Teams were scared, so they let him fall all the way. I think for as good as a team as Tennessee is, and they are a championship-caliber team, um, they had a lot of holes, but cornerback was one of them. And Farley was by far the best on the board at this point in terms of just pure ability. So you bet on the talent. You know, like I'm a big Greg Rousseau or a Greg uh, Newsom fan from Northwestern. I think I understand him. I understand the Titans and John Robinson if they take Greg Newsom there. But they they bet on the talent. They bet on the upside. I totally dig it. I totally get it. I think you're in a safe spot in the 20s to do that there. So, go. Then, speaking of my guy. We got the Cleveland Browns. Hey, they just let Greg Newsom just walk right into their building. I'm a little dry mouth. I need a water break. Excellent pick. Andrew Berry's been doing one hell of a job, in my opinion, since he's been in the building, identifying talent. He's missed. I don't know if the Greedy Williams pick is going to be a hit or a miss. I'm sure, I'm sure that we have to get that figured out if you're in Cleveland and you're the decision makers there. But 
I mean, it sounds to me like they're just going to let this co- rookie contract with Denzel Ward play out and hope for the best, and maybe they can re-sign him. To me, too many injuries to overcome. He already had a lack of size. I love him as a corner. He might not be a scheme fit any longer. And in my opinion, Greg Newsom is his eventual replacement. It'll be a greedy Williams, Greg Williams uh, DB room there. But I love the pick. Gold. Then we have the New Orleans Saints. I love it when a team has the balls and the conviction. They know that, you know, the draft Knicks gave Peyton Turner, who was one of my sleeper prospects. I knew he was a first-round talent. And I was surprised to see that that the draft Knicks were projecting him late two, early three type of range. Some had him just straight up round two. The New Orleans Saints, I think they put that rumor out there that they were going to make an aggressive move up just to throw chum in the water and confuse everybody. Because the Sharks are there at the back end of round one. And if you got a guy and you got a first round grade on him, and you think you could get them in the second round, and you have the balls to get laughed at and ridiculed for making a reach pick, I love it. And I only love it if the prospect is worth the pick. Peyton Turner, they asked him to do a lot. They asked him to put on weight. They asked him to take off weight. He's bounced around. He's just coming into his own. This kid is a terror, man. Like the natural size on this fucker, He's just big, strong, explosive from the snap. I mean, there's a lot of like JJ-like quality or JJ Watt-like qualities to him in terms of just, you can see this kid weighing 280, 290 with ease. But he's got power. He's got speed to power. He can bend. I think with NFL coaching, the sky is the limit for a guy like this. Not saying he'll get there. I haven't done enough background on him, so I don't know what kind of character we're getting here. But just on the surface, it sounds like everything checked out. He's he's a Class A prospect, in my opinion. Gold. I think they picked up the fifth-year option in New Orleans on uh, Davenport, so they're hoping that works out. But Cam Jordan, he's aging, man. And you can never have enough pass rushers and prospects in the pass rush room in the DN room, rather, and pass rushers are gold. New Orleans got one in the bottom of the second or uh, first round when, they, when he probably should have been a second-round pick, according to the experts. So hats off to them, having the balls to do it, gold. Then we have the last team on my list for gold, the Buffalo Bills. They got a guy who fell because of what he did at a pro day after sitting out for a year. Gregory Russo, another big, long, freak athlete. But unlike Peyton Turner, where I haven't done the background, I've done the background on Greg Russo. The kid, just his personality and character, A++. Just a charm, or excuse me, he's a charming individual. Just wholesome and humble. Everything I like in a prospect. And I could care less what he ran, what he jumped, what he broad jumped, what his speed was between cones. What I know is that length, that wingspan, you don't find guys like that. And you got 15 and a half sacks in one year. Wait till this kid grows into his NFL, into his, into his man frame at the NFL level. Wait till those Buffalo coaches. For me, AJ Epinesa, Gregory Russo, and then you got the Oliver kid in the middle in the middle of the defense. I can't speak tonight, motherfucker. It's pissing me off. Oh fuck. This podcast is gonna suck if I can't say words. And that's probably a good one. I'm sure you said it probably already does suck. So Yeah, but if I can get my tongue to work, I just love what Buffalo's doing there. I think Brandon Bean is an absolute genius. Uh, He knows exactly how to build a football team. He knows exactly 
how to build his draft board. He hits in the draft. He gets his impact players that way. And Buffalo, man, they're not going anywhere, obviously. So, gold. On the silver, Carolina, J.C. Horn. Not gold. I love the prospect. I do. But in my opinion, when Mac Jones and Justin Fields are on the board, and you don't know what you have in Sam Darnold, you know, they say if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I think that's just something cool to say. And I think people like saying cool shit. That's what I really think about that. I think it means nothing. And I think it's total bullshit. Like, did the New England Patriots have a problem when Matt Castle was in the building and Tom Brady tours ACL in the first play of a season? Like, like, give me a fucking break. You can have two quarterbacks on the roster and both of them can be good. And you got one. One's the starter, one's the backup. And you got Sam on a short deal. You didn't give up a whole lot to get him. I'm not saying just throw around second round picks and a fourth round pick, but like, damn, you're building. Take a chance. Make sure you solidify your quarterback room while you have the opportunity. And if the draft class is shit next year and it doesn't work out with Sam, and I know, yeah, it probably doesn't feel good if you're Sam Darnold. In my opinion, I think it's a great thing to test a quarterback if he, if he hasn't earned the right yet, if he hasn't been in your building and earned things, but you brought him in, it didn't work out for him, you feel bad, but it's business, man. You got to make sure your shit's tied up and not worry about hurting people's feelings, especially if he hasn't earned anything in your building yet. So if Sam would have shied away from competition the way Carson Wentz would have, I would have thought less of him the way I do Carson. And he's young. It's his right to react that way, but I would have made the decision based off of just, hey, what's best for this football team? Who's our quarterback? And if they can't say with certainty that it's Sam Darnold, I think they might have made a mistake, but they got a good damn player in J.C. Horn. He was my favorite cornerback, and so I get it. It earns them silver, though. Denver, same, same situation. You don't have an answer at quarterback. You got Drew Locke there who you clearly don't trust and you don't believe in and he's not your future. You trade it for Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, shit, even if you have to trade, you draft a quarterback here at seven or at nine, I'm sorry, and you trade Drew Locke for nothing. Like, hey, George Payton, this is your first year, man. You got time. You can build this thing. So I think... Justin Fields or Mac Jones would have been excellent there. Mac Jones would have been the preference. I think Pat Shermer could have done some really good things for him there. And they have a nice foundation on offense. Solid offensive line. Young playmakers at receiver and tight end. And a good run game. Solid defense. You got Vic Fangio who knows how to figure it out. And they retooled in the secondary. I think as much as I think of Patrick Sertan, I mean, he earns them silver. That's how good he is. He should have been gold, but given the choices they had and who their answers are at quarterback, I'm not thrilled with the move. Silver. Detroit Lions. Silver. Everybody's giddy about Penny Sewell because he's this big bear, and I get it. But if you watch the film, I mean, there's a reason Daniel Jeremiah had him as his second best tackle. Because he knows he's a project and a coach is going to have to get it out in him. And right now, you have uh, Taylor Decker there. And he's their left tackle, guys. So he's under contract and that contract doesn't leave the books for at least two years. Penny Sewell is their project and they're going to hopefully do it right and coach him up and play him where he needs to play, whether that's guard or right tackle. And then hopefully develop him and he can eventually be your left tackle if need be. If Taylor Decker's game starts to diminish some and it's time to move on from that contract, so be it. You groom Sewell. I love the pick. Or I mean, I like the pick. Don't love it. Um, It's smart. It makes sense with their mantra. How Dan Campbell wants to bite off knees. I'm sure Sewell can do that and some. Washington. Uh, Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis, I don't know how you say it. We be jamming, we're jamming. Washington's jamming now because that defense 
you know, they were already very exciting, but they had a hole at linebacker. I mentioned it in my mock draft. You know, this was a surprise pick. Davis was getting first round buzz, but late first round. I give them credit for sticking to their guns and liking a player that much. I can certainly see why they would make the pick. I've watched this film. Um, there's a lot to like there. So I get it. And it fills a need. So silver, nothing, you know, nothing great, but man, real solid silver pick. Indianapolis, Quiddy Pay, silver. Fits a need. Chris Ballard had, you know, he was in a dilemma. He's got to fix that offensive line and he knows it, but he didn't reach. He also has a need for pass rushers. I mean, you made the trade for DeForest Buckner. It's about time you put a threat on the edge. And I think Quiddy Pay is perfect for the 4-3. You can move him around. He's scheme diverse. So you could do a lot of things with him. And athletically, he's just special. And he's <laughs> he's built like a freak. Like this guy's muscle on muscle. So I love it. And he's a great person, great character, great, great background. Um, beautiful story uh, with his mother, immigrant mother, and brought him to the States to basically save his life. And now look at how he can repay her. So it's beautiful. New York Giants, silver. I know they're going to get hammered, but I love the trade back. I love getting the value. Everybody said Dave Gettleman doesn't trade back. I think Daniel Jeremiah said they'll be, I don't know if it's right hand or left hand turns. I fucking hate NASCAR, but whatever the race is where you can't make one of the turns, Daniel Jeremiah said there'll be a new turn in NASCAR when David Gettleman moves back. So that, you know, it was a running joke, but David Gettleman did the unthinkable, moved back, got some some sugar on top of it to sweeten the deal for himself, and um, in my opinion, got an underrated receiving prospect in Kadarius Tony. I definitely didn't expect him to go um, as high as he did, but man, they're going all in to make Daniel Jones good, and I love that, and they need receiver help. I had them pegged for Smitty at 11, and they moved back, got some draft capital, got a hell of a receiving prospect. Um Minnesota also moved back. Still got their left tackle. Christian Darsall, solid. Silver. Pittsburgh. Najee Harris. They did go running back. I'm a huge Najee Harris fan. Reminds me of Lev Bell in a lot of ways. He's like a combination Lev Bell, David Johnson, probably somebody else that I'm forgetting too, but solid move, man. Solid move, Pittsburgh. Silver. Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, teammates. I totally get it. They're running wide zone. Travis Etienne is built for wide zone. He's a teammate of Trevor. Look, I'm not here to shit on Jacksonville. I just know they're going to settle for mediocrity, even though the coach wants to piss excellence and they're going to become a recruiting center for free agents. Like, good luck with that, man. Good luck with that. Hope you can connect with your black players after hiring that racist strength and conditioning coach and then the public forced his ass out. So that's all I got to say about those guys. They're Jacksonville and they'll always be Jacksonville. Baltimore. Another silver grade, Rashad Bateman. Everybody had them pegged for a receiver. Some had them taking the LSU kid, Terrace Marshall. Um, he became kind of popular towards the end of the draft process, but Rashad Bateman, one of my favorite receivers in this class. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a solid pick. I would have loved it if he landed somewhere else because I don't believe in Lamar Jackson as a quarterback, but hopefully Bateman gets enough target action to up his stats because he's going to be a first round receiver without the first round statistical production, I'm sure, um, in the NFL. Atlanta, Kyle Pitts, you know, hammer me, that's fine. It's nothing against Kyle Pitts, the prospect. They land in silver because they had a tough decision. And in my opinion, they made the wrong one. Their guy was, in my opinion, Trey Lance. San Francisco stole him. But just like San Francisco had to be comfortable taking at least two or three quarterbacks, so did Atlanta. And I think just because their guy went off the board, they bailed on that option and they took the best player available, which in my opinion, you can debate that. But they felt Kyle Pitts fit what they wanted to do schematically on offense. And I get that. So 
I commend them for doing that. But I don't like that they just moved off of quarterbacks so easily. I mean, you know, let me take that back. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm not in the room. I don't know. I'm making assumptions. But I think they chickened out is my point. And yeah, Matt Ryan, can he play for two, three, four more years? I'm sure. And he could probably play at a high level. But the contract says three years max. And it's a heavy contract. It's hurting you. I don't think you're ever going to be this high up on the board until you stink again. And Kyle Pitts takes you further away from stinking stinking again. So you better hope that Matt Ryan can hang around for a little while and stay at an optimal level. Because if he starts doing the Phillip Rivers thing on you and that arm strength, which already wasn't a strong arm to begin with, it was just good enough to get it done. If that starts waning, if that starts showing a decline, you're in trouble and you may have made a mistake. Um, But silver, solid. Last team in silver, Dallas, Micah Parsons. Look, my initial feeling on this guy is there's just something off with him on a cellular level. He's just not put together the way you probably want your 11th pick or your 12th pick to be. Um, Dallas rolled the dice here, in my opinion. They probably did their homework. They felt good enough. And this is obviously a sign that Leighton Vander Esch, unfortunately, the injuries got to him and his career in Dallas may be over in short time. They'll probably let that rookie contract run out. Maybe, just maybe, he can rebound and hold together physically. For a little while do they where they can up them on the years of that contract or extend them in some way but i think this marks the end so i get it uh but i mean you had a lot of needs and i don't know i mean maybe they really believe in connor williams but in my opinion i give them silver here because of how i feel about parsons obviously but also because i think Rashawn slater would have been too good to pass on if I'm Dallas. So, silver, eh. Bronze, we only have a few teams here. I'll be quick. Las Vegas, Alex Leatherwood. Hey, Mike Mayock, I hope you didn't burn any bridges at the NFL Network because Daniel Jeremiah isn't exactly killing it in your place, and I think they would want you back because you're not doing that great of a job right now, man. You whiffed big time, and I backed your ass when you had the balls to take the Clemson kid, the defensive end, Farrell, Cleveland Farrell, with the fourth overall pick a few years ago, that hasn't worked out yet. Unless he somehow changes his career path, he's just going to be an average player at best. Big swing and miss. Alex Leatherwood, who probably nobody had a first-round grade on, I mean, if I like the player and you take a whiff, or you, you take a swing and you whiff, that's okay. But fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. This is a shame on you moment, Mike. I think you overreacted here to a player that you felt pretty good about, but you probably could have got him if you wanted him in the second round. I would have much rather seen that aggressive move to give up capital and get two bites at the apple for two guys that you really like. I think he passed on some good, good players here. So, eh, bronze. Nothing against Alex Leatherwood. I like him. I think he's going to be a starter. I think he's probably going to be really good for them. Um, Probably he's going to be a guard. Maybe they play him at right tackle. I don't know. But mm, just not feeling it that well. Um, Green Bay, Eric Stokes. Just don't like the pick. Prospect's okay, but he's a height, weight, speed guy. He's all the... You know, big data stuff that I can't stand. I'm sure he passes and hits all the marks and the spark scores and all that. But um, just not a big fan. Watch some film. You know, it's solid. Just didn't think first round grade. That's all. Baltimore. Joe Tryon. You know, another height, weight, speed guy. Hits all the spark scores. Um, I just think it's a major gamble. And you had the two first-round picks, so I get it. It's a Baltimore thing. 
They're betting on the upside. They're betting they can tap into all that crazy athletic potential because he's a freak athlete. And physically, he's just built differently. He's he's a freak. So I kind of get the move. They've had just like these big burly guys rushing the pass or smart guys. So they went a different direction. It's just that nah, it doesn't move the needle for me. Bronze. Uh, Tampa, Joe Tryon. Solid. Solid. I get it. San Francisco, Trey Lance. I've expanded on that already. Um, they're in the bronze category, though, because it, to me, if ultimately what happened was Kyle Shanahan was convinced and was outnumbered and fell in the group think, I'm highly disappointed. I think Tr- Trey Lance is solid. I see the upside. I love the character. It's not an indictment on him. I'm not calling him unworthy of the pick. I just disagree with it. And I think if if Kyle just would have really stood up for what he initially felt, because we can all get talked out of things we believe in. I'm probably one of the few that can't. I'm very hard to talk out of something I strongly believe in because I don't give a fuck what people think about me. I really don't. Like, I don't make shit for a living. I'm like 40K and under all my life a year. And I don't have children. I don't have a family. I'm sure people think the worst things of me. I'm near 40 and probably my life is nowhere near together. But it doesn't bother me because only a few people's opinions really matter to me in my life. So as long as I'm good in their eyes, that's all that matters. But it just, I think when you're, when you're in the game of guessing prospects and putting the work in to project their careers, I think Kyle saw what I saw in Mac Jones, and I think he kind of chickened out, and I think he got talked into something that he didn't truly believe in, and he didn't fight for the guy he wanted. So for that reason, San Francisco, you get a bronze. That about does it, guys. This stayed under an hour, it looks like, so I'm happy there. Hope you guys found this entertaining. I'm going to try to pour out as many episodes and make them smaller and smaller as I get better at this. Um, But look for more episodes to come. The draft is going on. I'm sure I'll give a reaction for day two and day three. And we'll do a recap and we'll do the whole nine, guys. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys. Be well. Love one another. Peace.